Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, hello. Today on the show, we've got Stony Stonebreaker. He's an investor and uh, based out of Florida, multifamily investor that's got a great story and kind of walks us through his career and uh, getting a CCIM designation and becoming a multifamily investor and key principal in projects. And now they're doing projects in multiple markets throughout the US and helping investors get into those projects. So we talk about their due diligence process, what they look for in operators, what they look for in deals, and just have a great kind of uh, multifamily investing shop talk session. I think you're going to enjoy it. Some housekeeping quickly, if you want to join the DJE passive investor list and see our projects, we've bought uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of projects. We've sold millions and millions of dollars of projects over the last decade in San Antonio. And if you want to see upcoming projects, you can go to our website. It's djetexas.com and you can schedule a call with our team. We can send you case studies and make sure you're seeing the next project we, we put out. Second thing, if you are interested in operating apartment communities uh, as, a, you know, as an investor and running the whole thing, go to apartmenteducators.com. We've got a free video course there that I put together for you, as well as a whole ecosystem and community for uh, operators wanting to go out and, and buy and run these deals. So without further delay here, let's jump into this interview with Stony Stonebreaker. Here we go. Stoney, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for jumping on. How are you doing? Doing great, Devin. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm really good to be here. Good deal. Well, look forward to, to diving in and talking uh, talking shop on some real estate and in investing like we do on the show here. Uh, before we kind of dive into that, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your your background and what uh, you know when when and how did you get the the real estate bug? What did that look like for you? Uh, well, I guess my story is kind of a long, drawn out story, but I'll I'll make it brief. Of course, um, I was um, I was in um, I went to college for in engineering. I was an electrical engineer, and I got mm -hmm. into my my work. And um, I read a book early in my career because I wanted to. Um, I was curious about real estate because uh, kind of commercial real estate and uh, income producing real estate kind of piqued my curiosity and I wanted to do some investing. So I read a book by William Nickerson uh, titled How I Turned $1,000 into $3 million in Real Estate in My Spare Time. Great title. Uh, yes, that, to it is. Great really. title. And the, I guess he had different versions because the first version came out in 1959. The second one came out in 1969. And I understand there's a third version that came out uh, just a few years ago. Um, but um, I read that book and really was fascinated by the advantages of income producing real estate, as he called it, the apartment investing. And he invested in smaller uh, multifamilies, duplexes, quads, and then built up from there. And mm -hmm. I thought this is really cool. So I uh, started to invest, but I didn't take all of the lessons in, in mind. I, I bought a, a vacation condo uh, on the beach in, in Florida here. And then I bought another uh, vacation condo up in the mountains in North Carolina. And I, but I was all wrapped up in my, my technology career. I was involved sure. in telecommunications. I had some 
entrepreneurial opportunities, which is what I really enjoy doing. So they, uh, my, my W-2 job allowed me to do some of those. And so I was really involved in that. And I didn't do too much because um, my time didn't allow it and so forth. But then uh, in uh, 2002, I actually retired and I was, I, I did that to spend more time with my son who was growing up at the time. He was 11 years old at the time and I wanted to spend some summers with him. And so we did that driving around the country and doing some traveling around um, in different countries as well. Oh, that's excellent. And, and so, uh, but that, so I got involved with that. And then later on, after he went off to college, I had time on my hands and I wanted to do something. So um, I, I rediscovered um, real estate. I actually had a little side uh, job there in between because I, at Bever, I, I uh, advised small startups and, and early stage companies for a while in technology. But then, then I got into the real estate. And so my real estate uh, really didn't get started in commercial real estate or in, in multifamily like I do now until about uh, 2016. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I was involved in all the other advisory capacities and so forth. But I, when I first thought about it, I started to read and do like so many people listening to podcasts like yours sure. and, and doing all that and getting all the education. I had a pretty good finance background from uh, managing some uh, telecommunications groups and doing some business plans in the past and so forth. But then uh, really got into it. And a fr- I had interviewed several friends who were in commercial real estate. They talked to me about different aspects of it. And one suggested I get my license to uh, be a sales agent, basically. So I did that, which I didn't really like the sales part, but he did suggest that I get my, um, uh, also get my CCIM designation, right. which I got started on at that time. And so I did that uh, ultimately as well, which was very ad- advantageous. And so I got out of the uh, sales part and I've been a dedicated full-time uh, investor in real estate uh, for the last five years or so. Excellent. Tell me a little bit more about the CCIM designation. Uh, you know, I'm obviously aware of what it is, but uh, haven't gone through that myself. What was the process like? And, you, you know, what kind of value do you think that brought to, to your, you know, mm-hmm. to you as an investor? Right. Well, I think it's really, uh, it, it's, it's tremendously valuable to me. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, and, and to anybody who um, wants to get a better uh, financial background and strength and understanding of different aspects of commercial real estate. I think it's very valuable. You have four core courses there that are multi-day courses from three or four or five day courses that uh, are very valuable, that are your required courses. And then they have some electives that are required. And it also has a component that requires you to material, materially participate in transactions so that you have a certain volume of business that you've been involved in to also get the actual, you know, hands-on experience. Right. Of, of and they're substantial, no? Yes. Yes. You're, um, you've, you've got some transactions like uh, the one I qualified for was you have to have at least three transactions totaling $30 million. Right. Um, and then you can also, but you can have smaller transactions, maybe 10 transactions up to $10 million. So you can have different levels. And then there's some other ways as well. But the, the whole combined package usually takes uh, two or three, four years, some, some people a lot longer um, to go through the process. But the four core courses teach 
uh, financial fundamentals, basically. They teach uh, investing from the perspective of an end user, uh, somebody that's leasing pro uh, 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 space in properties, also from uh, an owner uh, and an investor, so that you understand also the different four basic um, sectors of commercial real estate, which um, the CCIM primarily puts everything into, which is retail, industrial, commercial, uh, office, and multifamily. Right. And so you get each of those and you understand the nuances. The second course is particularly um, valuable, I think, to multifamily um, people because it goes into um, market analysis and it focuses strictly on market analysis. And there's some unique, uh, they're not unique, I guess they're um, metrics that are taught in there that I've never seen any regular, you know, multifamily investor um, use in their market analysis. And so uh, there's a few uh, characteristics there that you can help you forecast the future that's not really done. Most multifamily in, uh, investments that you look at in the um, webinars and, and the performers have put together are showing what the history of that particular submarket has, has reflected in the last few years. Right. Um, but CCIM has a way of pro projecting and using some other metrics to help project uh, future um, changes for the next at least two or three years. And so that, that's helpful as well as some other metrics. And so it's been very, very helpful for me. Excellent. That's good to hear. It's clearly, you know, time investment. And um, I've, I've never really delved too far into it uh, other than to, you know, interact and with brokers and so, so forth that had the designation, but that's, that's good. That's good to understand. And something for people to explore if they're going to make a career out of this. And yeah, one, one thing I guess I should add too is that the CCM has a, a really good uh, online database of uh, metrics and demographics and so forth that are uh, very uh, helpful in, in analysis and property analysis and in market analysis. And mm -hmm. some of that is not generally used either in multifamily properties that you see that are presented to the market. Uh, you get into not only the demographics, but you get into psychographics of the local population and you get into other uh, aspects as well. And so uh, I really like uh, the benefits uh, of it on that side. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm glad that, I'm glad that's been valuable for you. What does, the, what does your company look like today? What, what type of projects are you pursuing, working on, enjoying, that type of thing? Mm -hmm. When I first got into um, real estate, I, uh, I uh, was looking to, you know, I was, wasn't sure how to get into multifamily real estate. And so what I right. did uh, was I invested on, on my own. I was trying to find people to invest with. It turned out at a CCIM lunch, I did meet a, a young investor who also was just starting out in multifamily investing. He was raising capital for one of the coaches that's, um, you know, national coaches that's been in the business for a few years. And uh, so I invested with him and, uh, and also invested in a couple other uh, projects. And then later on, we, we liked the way we, we operated properties. We evaluated things with our, our own um, way of working with each other. And so we formed a company and I, we formed a company that actually was uh, brand new as of early this year. 
uh, where we okay. announced it anyway. And so my company is Placebo. And what I did, what we did have done, done is we typically will partner with other operating partners who will find a deal in a market, a market that we like, that we've, we've uh, analyzed the market. We've also developed these relationships with, uh, with these operating partners who we have gotten to know over the years and trusted and we've done background checks, we've vetted them fully and we've done referrals and so forth. Um, and then we, so we invest our money with them. And then we've also, also raised capital as part of the deals uh, for, for those operating partners. We've become part of the, the general partnership uh, for a, an operating uh, entity uh, for that. And so we'll, we'll join up that way. And so we, we bring our investors along. And so we've raised capital. I haven't been raising capital that long. My partner has been, uh, we right. formed this company, Placebo. And so I've been doing more of that lately, but what I do sometimes is I'll be a KP on a, on a deal as well sure. and uh, sign on the loan or do other aspects. And so uh, we just P and we also add value to the operating partner uh, if, uh, if it makes sense to, for both parties to do some asset management with them to part of the due diligence up front handle um, our investor relations and so forth. So what we do is we've invested in so far in the past in uh, properties in Texas and in Florida for the most Great part. Great markets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you what, there's no competition at all in those markets. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Deals are, are uh, you just go pick it off the tree, right? <laughs> that's it. Right. Um, yeah. But it's a, uh, it's a really challenging uh, market is right now, of course. But, but still, we also like other uh, sub-markets. We like some other uh, smaller, secondary, even tertiary markets. Sure. We haven't invested in those yet. And we have a kind of a variety of um, investors that we're attracting. Um, and so we're, we're um, also, also carefully, we're not, we're not focused on the smaller properties yet, but we're, we're looking at some of those, the possibility of smaller properties. What we've typically done is invested uh, in hundred units and up sure. in our properties. Um, but some of our investors want to be the sole investor in a property in a smaller property, oh, okay. like more with, uh, in line with, uh, with their, uh, wishes. And so we will go under hundred units probably for those. Right. And, and that's, uh, kind of the same markets that you've been looking in, or are you exploring different avenues there for, for the smaller properties? Well, we'll, um, we'll um, consider other markets as well. Now, we like, first of all, we like the Southeast, which with the growing MSAs and then the growing submarkets within those MSAs. Um, and we, but we also will consider other ones outside of that if we have a good, strong partner who has experience in that market, who is a player in that market, they have multiple properties and uh, they're, they're respected and, and they're doing a, a good job already in that market. And uh, so, and we do the, the background check on them. So, but what, what we'll want to do though, is if they bring us a property or if we think we want to do a deal with them, we'll go ahead ahead of time before we have a deal in front of us. And we'll, uh, we'll analyze that market with our metrics that we have, our process that we follow and make sure that we feel comfortable in that market as well, besides just the, uh, the operator themselves. Yeah, of course. So many variables there, but you can't 
replace, uh, you know, an operator that's gone full cycle and been operating in one market and has a track record. Like it, there's just no substitute for that. Right. Yes. Uh, right. You know, and no matter how, how good something looks in the model, um, rubber meets the road with the operator doing the, doing the day-to-day and the, even down mm-hmm. to the staff on the, you know, the leasing agent on site has such an impact on, uh, the performance of these things. Exactly. Exactly. We, we like to uh, make sure that the, you know, the underwriting is, is everybody says they do conservative underwriting. We like to do accurate underwriting. And if we have, and, and if there are, uh, place, uh, numbers where you're not quite sure if we do a little, are a little bit more conservative on those. That's great. And, you know, make sure that the reserves are set aside. Of course. Uh, that, the, that the term, the loan and the financing is longer than the business plan and all the, you know, make sure, you know, that our, our money is protected and our investors' money is protected as best as possible. Of course, of course. And I'm sure it's uh, comforting to your investors if you're placing your own capital in the deal and or being a key principal on the deal. Um, you know, clearly that represents your belief in that project and you're taking some additional risk doing that. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that's, that certainly uh, helps. Uh, and, and we believe in it and we won't be inviting people in that do something that we wouldn't do ourselves. I mean, that's right. fundamental. Yes. Yep. That's right. You know, talking about underwriting here, uh, current hot topic is inflation and what, you know, what you're looking at. On one hand, maybe rent growth higher than we've seen historically, and then of course salary and your payroll line item and and materials higher than we've seen historically too. How are you guys looking at inflated rents on your income side and inflated expenses? Um, you know, on across across the board as you as you look at these uh, properties, are you changing it significantly from from what you might have done? you know, two years ago, or what, what's, what's the thinking around that these days? Right. We, we like, uh, you know, the old classic, you know, under promise, no deliver. Um, sure. And so we, we, we might uh, push up uh, the rent to bump, you know, a little bit more than we, we might otherwise. And in, in you, know, like you said, in a couple of years ago, uh, but we're not going to go up uh, much above three and a half on our rent or maybe four and, you know, sure. in the pro forma. I mean, to get a deal these days, you almost have to push somewhere on your deal and be a little bit, bit out of your comfort zone. If you think you have the right, the right property, it's got the right story behind it, and you, maybe you have a, um, a little different take on the value upside of the property than the other um, people that are bidding on that property. Um, because uh, it's, otherwise you're not going to get that. But, but we really depend a lot too on the initial screen for the operating partners, as I mentioned before, that we sure. partner with, uh, and that we understand how they've underwritten properties in the past and where they like it, and we talk to them uh, pretty thoroughly about uh, any any deals they bring us, so that we can understand what that story is. And it might be a unique um, uh, location that has some that's uh, turning over. Uh, we have a way we think of um, helping to or looking at certain markets and determining whether they're emerging. We're trying to use some statistical techniques to uh, do that and uh, to look at that so that that will help us in determining that. And so, um, but th- those are, yeah, that, those are, you know, the good subjective uh, questions and, and decisions that have to be made on, on each property. And that's a, a good point because 
Um, we still like to keep it as conservative as we can, uh, but, uh, but make sure that we have the right, uh, the most accurate numbers and we'll push it where we, where we think we can. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's a constantly changing landscape with, I mean, we're in Texas and property taxes have always been kind of the biggest line item. And we've seen big increases there. We've seen big increases on insurance payroll too, uh, big increases on rents. And it'd be very comforting just to say, Hey, we're going to grow expenses 3% and rents 3% and just move on down the road. But you really, I like what you said earlier, you want to be accurate in your underwriting. And sometimes the, the market just, just changes. I mean, that you're going to see periods of higher mm-hmm. rent growth and lower rent growth. And, and mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's tricky to forecast that stuff uh, out too far into the future, but we make the best assumptions that we can and, and mm-hmm. move forward. Um, in terms of operators, what, you guys clearly have a process for vetting operators. What are some characteristics of operators that you've seen um, are some common threads among successful operators? We, we like uh, operators who have a uh, concern, first of all, for the investors' money that they invest in their properties. And uh, yeah, that's even a priority over their own money, frankly. Right. Uh, we, we think that the people who put aside appropriate reserves, who, uh, who allocate uh, CapEx uh, to improve a property, we like value-add properties. Sure. Uh, we like, like to moderate value-add. We aren't a, a distressed property investor ourselves, although we do have a couple of uh, operating partners who we are considering investing, but with a group of investors who would be comfortable with that and who have the experience uh, with more distressed uh, properties. Sure. We like the, um, uh, the underwriting. We like, uh, we like the fact that um, uh, we, get to, we talk with brokers and with contractors in the local area and ask, who are, uh, ask about the background of some of these, these um, operating partners that we talk to. And we feel like that uh, brokers who um, who are dealing with most of the investors in that market will will give us some pretty good feedback on on the some of these operating partners and who will give us a pretty frank feedback on who they would consider good partners to be with and who, and who not to and we've done kind of the same thing with uh, with property management groups and as I said the contractors and lenders who lend in in that market so we, we depend on the referrals who give us people who have been dependable. They've closed on deals. They haven't tried to retrade at the last minute sure. uh, and, and other characteristics like that. So it's a pretty thorough uh, background check that we do on them. It's not just um, what kind of uh, deal can they give us and uh, what can they, how they write us into the deal, but we also want to be part of the, um, part of the team that's actually sure. uh, following that. They, they want us to be part of the, uh, the asset management calls and to be involved in the property. We don't want somebody who is an operating partner who just wants to do everything and, and uh, themselves. Right. right. And that's a value add for them too, right? If you're helping coming on and assisting with some of the, some of the asset management components, um, these are big deals. There's a lot of work to be done and that lends itself well to splitting up the responsibilities and also some of the equity and, and uh, uh, reward pieces of it. 
Exactly. Um, so we're coming out of, you know, COVID and a crazy year last year, finishing up 2021 as of this call. And uh, very, you know, that year, this year has flown by. We, we talked a little bit about inflation. Um, what are you seeing going into next year in terms of markets you like? And are you going to stay with similar product type and, and asset class? or try to venture out beyond that? What, what do you guys have in mind for the firm? We, uh, we certainly are going to focus on, on value-add multifamily for the next year or so. We want to uh, uh, build up our, our investor base a bit more so that we are a bigger, uh, bigger supporter of other, other investors and other operating partners sure. going to their deals. Um, but we do have some other uh, potential Vin, uh, directions that we can go on a limited basis. We don't want to branch out yet, but uh, we think that there's a couple of uh, areas uh, we can do. And, and I really probably don't want to talk about that, but we've had some in the back of our mind, I guess, if you will, uh, that will uh, help us. Because one of the things that we really like is we really like to help our investors become more financially literate and become better investors themselves. Sure. And one thing in my, my background, I'm a little older than some of you, you or a lot of other people that are investing maybe, but I came up in a traditional home with a lot of people, a lot of us did where, you know, you go to college, you get a job, spend your whole career basically with, a, with one or two companies sure. um, and invest, put your money away and, and save it. And I've pretty much followed that with a few investments. But I think that the that getting into investing in commercial real estate a lot earlier in my career, I wish I had done that. Wish I'd learned more about it um, and actually taken the action uh, to do that. And so we're trying to encourage our investors to do the same thing. Um, if they want, want to invest with us, that's fine. If they want to invest with somebody else, that's fine too. But we want them to understand that there are some other tools as well out there, and that, that there should be a diverse set of tools to invest with. We want them to understand the cost of investing in mutual funds, for instance. You know, it can be a lot more than they understand the, the value of compounding real interest uh, and growth uh, of investments over time uh, makes sense and that they should be starting very early, um, that they should have a diverse portfolio of, you know, of real estate, stocks and bonds and maybe some mutual funds. I mean, if index funds, probably, but there's a whole range of things like that and other tools that make sense for a fully, um, a fully financially literate person. And to part of that also goes to um, my partner, Lynn and I were just about to start a, a little um, educational uh, venue on Saturdays at our local big brothers and big sisters, where we would take the uh, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, uh, cash flow game for kids. Oh yeah. Go, go there, take that and show the kids that way and, and kind of use that as a springboard to teach them about some financial literacy and, and teach some younger kids who may not get it from their homes as well. Cause I didn't get a whole lot of financial literacy or, or an education from my family. And right. I didn't in school, I was an electrical engineer. I didn't get any, anything there. It's a huge um, gap. Uh, uh, and right. some would say by design, <laughs> it's a huge gap. Exactly. So I want, I want other people to know about those things, about, you know, uh, the cash, cash ability of whole, whole life insurance, real, you know, and things like that, that are, that, that used to be only 
you know, the uh, the big brother, not, not the big brothers, but the uh, the good old boys network only knew about those things and sure. the billionaires would invest in, in these tools, but they really weren't available to people. When, when I grew up, of course, there wasn't all this technology. I put in one of the first video teleconferencing units in the country in 1985 or so. Oh, wow. But, and so going video. I bet like that this, thing cost a fortune, huh? It, oh, it sure did. It sure did. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we, we just had our encyclopedia at home and the newspaper that came and, and you didn't That's know right. who, who was a member. We weren't country club people, so we didn't know. I didn't know who the country club people were and who had the deals going and so forth. So with the internet going on, there's no excuse not to be able to you know, find this information because it's all over the internet. And so we encourage our people to, to be active there. We also try to provide tools on our website that uh, will help them find uh, resources that will help them and be part of uh, uh, a meetup that we have, a live meetup that we have here in Miami that we want to, um, we, we had before the COVID, and we're re restarting that shortly. And so uh, we have a lot of different things like that that we, we believe uh, our investors uh, will, will benefit them, uh, their families, and their legacies with their family. Absolutely. I, I completely resonate with that education component. Um, part, you know, part of what I do is really kind of driven by being on a mission to expose other people to this because it was such an epiphany for me. Um, I'm 43. I got into real estate investing in my, in my early 30s. Uh, so I'd already had, you know, college, career, married, family, mm -hmm. gone through all of that and not been exposed to this. And I almost felt cheated in a way when I discovered this. It was like, yes, why didn't anybody show me this before? This is, uh, you know, this is a game changer in, in a lot of ways. And I, I've had, you know, countless number of our investors tell us the same thing. You know, people that have been investing for decades and, 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 and then they kind of get exposed to this concept, not that it's a panacea or it's a cure for all ills and every investment has risk, you know, whatever the case is. But um, I, I kind of feel like I'm on a mission too to, to at least expose people to the idea, whether they do project with us or, or don't do a project for five years, maybe we can at least plant the seed um, because it has been around for a long time. This is how the wealthy have been doing it for a long time. But now that the democratization, the formation of capital really just in the last few years is really an exciting thing to, to, to see and an exciting thing to be a part of uh, that the, the, the world's kind of waking up to this possibility. And it is even as busy as you and I are doing these projects and talking to people, we're, we're still addressing it just a tiny fraction of people in America that could be investing in these type of deals. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and it's just, um, it just makes a lot of sense to at least to be, like you say, to be exposed to it, let people know about it, understand. And if they have their own curiosity about it, uh, you know, there's no, no reason why they can't uh, just go explore it in much more in depth uh, through with all the uh, available uh, resources we have nowadays. Right, right. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible, the resources and then the connections too. I mean, at some point, you've got to make some real life connections with some people, whether it's via conference or meetups or, you know, mentorship groups or whatever the case is. But uh, all that can be facilitated by the internet and, you know, podcasts and meetups and, and that stuff's just really neat to see because uh, it's all relatively new in the scheme of things. 
Uh, absolutely. And, and just like, you know, just us meeting up here on video, I mean, we would never have met up in, in when I, the days I was growing up, uh, you know, like this and, and understanding, finding people who have common interests with you. And, and the, the, the technology change is just unbelievable. I, we were talking earlier about some earlier technology that I was involved in and, and the, the primitive technology that we used in our space program back in the days when I was working years ago on it is, is, is unbelievably how uh, different than what we have now. Right. 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 Yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, well, Stoney, thanks for, for jumping on today. It was, is great to connect those uh, uh, in the audience listening that want to connect with you and learn more about your firm. What's a good way for, for them to do that? My uh, email is stony at PasivoREI.com. That's uh, with an S-T-O-I-N-Y. Uh, and uh, our, our website is PasivoREI.com. And welcome to join us there and uh, schedule a call or uh, download. We have a free ebook uh, like most people do and uh, explains our investing uh, philosophy. But uh, yeah, I'd be glad to talk to anybody about uh, any questions uh, they might have on, on investing in real estate. I just enjoy this uh, immensely. Oh, outstanding. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening to this episode on whatever platform, go to the show notes and we'll link to the website there and you can you can t- connect with Stoney and the team. But um, I enjoyed it. It was great chatting with you, getting to know you and wish you guys continued success here over the over the next year and beyond. Thank you, Stoney. Thank you, Devin. Good to meet you and talk to you and uh, really a pleasure. All righty. Take care. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects and you are not already on our list and in our portal, uh, you can go to the website, djetexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15-minute call with our team, answer any questions you have, and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being... Uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven-module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. Uh, a lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review. That helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.